This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Let's pray again. Thank you, Lord. Be present. Open up our minds, our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Proverbs 4, 25. Write this down since we don't have a projector. Our bulb is dead. It's not Eli's fault. Love Eli. It says this. Pay attention. Since we don't have the words up there, please listen. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder. Think about the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure, as in steady. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I had the opportunity to work at a high ropes course once, and all of the challenges were 30 feet up in the air. And there was one challenge that was nothing more than a telephone pole laid sideways, and it was slightly tilted upwards like an incline. And people would have to walk this pole, and there was nothing to hold on to. It was total balance from one side to the other. And a high ropes leader, much smarter than me, started noticing that people couldn't make it across. They kept falling because they're looking down at their feet. They're looking at how high they are. They're looking at the birds or whatever they're focused on. So he got up there with some paint, and he painted a cross on the far pole. And whenever they would get up on one side, he would say, don't look down, look at the cross. Keep looking at the cross. And one by one by one, people started making it from one side to the other because they had a focus point. And that's what Proverbs 4 is talking about. Have a focus point. Look forward. Stop looking and getting distracted. Stop looking down. Stop letting the world put its pressures on you. Keep your eyes forward. Last week, we talked about how Christian dating is defined as a mutual agreement for companionship towards marriage while putting Jesus first. We talked about how you filter. You filter out all the people that are not them. Filter, 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 filter. It begins with friendship, with group hangouts. Thank you for reinforcing that. Double and triple dates, then finally going one-on-one. But it's not. there's no like pressure. There's no exclusivity yet. And then you finally have that conversation where you discuss, where are you going in life? This is where I'm going in life. Where do we see ourselves going? You have this mature conversation. And then dating exclusively, towards engagement, marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when the work begins, right? Christian dating is a triangle with Jesus. We talked about that. That's my wife had her brilliant inspiration that one night in the middle of the dark, looking under the stars. And she talked to me about how each of us are going to work our way. We're going to pursue Jesus completely. And as we get closer to him, he will be the one that draws us closer together. And we will either intersect and continue on, or we will meet and walk together depending on the Lord's leading in our lives. And you have to have that in the back of your minds for tonight. Tonight's topic is who to look for. God's primary concern and the Bible's primary concern is moving you towards himself, towards Jesus. That is the straight goal ahead. And if getting into a dating relationship with this person or at all is going to turn you from the left or the right, if it's going to distract from this absolute perfect goal, looking towards the cross with this one step at a time, then you're either not ready to date or this is not the person that you need to be attaching yourself to. Jesus picks this up in Matthew 7, 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. Boy, we see a lot of destruction in relationships, don't we? Destruction, 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 destruction. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. A romantic relationship should not divert you from your destination, and that is that relationship with Jesus. I want to throw out some new terminology, and less about the words that I've chosen to try to define this, but the heart behind it, please try to hear my heart, is the difference between seeking and discovering. Seeking suggests that you're incomplete. You're a guy with one shoe, and you're searching wildly and blindly to find your other shoe. Are you following me? You should be a whole person before you ever step into this dating game and to ever pursuing who your spouse for your lifetime is going to be. If you are blindly looking, if you're just feeling like you have this hole that you have to fill with this one other person, you have not filled it with Jesus Christ yet. He is your focus and your destination. Discovering suggests adventure and engaged life without being needy. The concept of the one, we talked about this last week, is dangerous. That there's one person on this whole planet and you have to somehow find them using your, your emotions, blindly searching for who that person might be. It's dangerous because whenever things get really hard, say you marry them, you, they, things get really hard, and then you just start saying, well, maybe they weren't the one. A discovering Christian feels the freedom to put themselves out there, to meet people, to take ignition, initiative, to pursue the kind of person they can see themselves with, to make their two. Because God is your number one. Their eyes are straightforward, trusting God's plan in their lives, with their lives. They're comfortable with the idea that if God chooses to get involved and crosses their path with a certain person, he's going to get them where they want them to be. So the very first week we, we talked about, are you willing, well, every night we've asked the question, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always hoped for? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always hoped for? Week one, are you willing to unlearn and redefine what love is? Week two, are you willing to embrace someone else's differences? Week three, are you willing to sacrifice your own desires? Week four, are you willing to grow first? Week five, are you willing to do things differently than the rest of the world is doing? Week six, this week, are you willing to discover instead of seek? I want to begin with knowing who you are by understanding whose you are. And I hope that the girls' event was eye-opening for some of you ladies because that's what makes all the difference in the world. If you know who you belong to, then you don't have to worry about settling for anybody else. You're already complete. You already have an identity in who Jesus says you are, and that's so beautiful. 1 Peter 2.9, again, pay attention. This is who you are as a Christian. Guys, girls, you are a chosen race. Chosen, as in that's what love is, a choice. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are sons and daughters of the king. A holy nation set apart, purified, a people for his own possession. He paid for you with his high, a high price, with his blood. And here's the purpose. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's your purpose, men and women who are Jesus followers. To have a focus of pursuing and elevating Jesus Christ. You are a person of incomprehensible value to him, worth dying for. Wish this was on the screen, so write it down. Type it into your phone. 
Text it to yourself. The quality of people attracted to you will be proportional to the value you exhibit. Gladly. The quality of people attracted to you will be proportional to the value you exhibit. Who are you? Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, owned by God with a purpose, a high purpose. The quality of people attracted to you will be proportional to the value you exhibit. Anybody in here watch TV? Anybody annoyed with commercials? Right? Okay. How many in one hour, how many pickup truck commercials will you see? Like every other commercial is a pickup truck commercial, right? In the last year, 365 days, while watching TV, how many Rolls Royce commercials have you seen? Why? Because pickup truck companies are targeting middle to lower class people because that is the common population. If somebody who can afford a Rolls Royce wants to own a Rolls Royce, they know exactly where to go to buy one. Men and women of God, you need to stop advertising to the middle to lower class people out there. You need to recognize your value. Because, what was that again? The quality of people attracted to you will be proportional to the value that you exhibit. You've got to stop advertising to the common if you want to have the common stop knocking at your door. You are way more valuable than any automobile of any name brand. You need to know who you are because of whose you are, and you are not going to settle for anything less than high class. Girls, I've got to stop and talk to you. I'm sorry. But girls, you've got to stop advertising with your bodies. Girls, if you're putting it out there, you're only going to draw the kind of guy that's looking for that. And do not get hooked into believing that if you advertise as an object, he's going to stop to get to know you after you've hooked him in. Because he's going to come looking for what you advertised with. Girls, I love you too much not to say this aloud. That's not how it works. You can't have a Rolls Royce but advertise like a pickup truck because a pickup truck buyer is just looking for four-wheel drive and a bed. You want someone of high value that's going to cherish you for who you are. If you feel you have to compromise so you can date someone sooner, you're not mature enough yet to date. Become a whole person first. Find your fulfillment in Jesus. Know whose you are. Be and present yourself as the kind of person you want to find. Here's good news. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. For many of you, you called him your Lord. Trust him. You don't have to stress about looking. You can live your life serving Jesus, discovering. There's a story that Bob Goff tells in a book called Love Does, which I'm going to give to every graduating senior, probably for the rest of my life. And he tells a story about how when he was younger, this is decades ago, he, was, he would hitchhike 
from place to place in California where he was going to school. And he actually makes a note that lots of people are hitchhiking, and there were also lots of murders, so people don't do that anymore. And he's, he's had no problem traveling for several hundred miles. He'd only stick his thumb out for a few minutes, and he'd get picked up. But there was one time that he's standing on the side of the road, and he is waiting, and he said he waited 24 hours waiting for someone to stop and pick him up. So when finally a van stopped, he didn't do the normal cue of asking where they were going, inspecting, trying to ascertain if this person is trustworthy or not. The van stopped, he opened the door, and he jumped in, and the van took off. And the first thing he noticed was the terrible B.O. smell. And he looks over, and it's this guy with this enormous beard. Hey, shout out to beards. No, no, nothing negative against you. But as he starts observing his atmosphere, he realizes that the dashboard is covered in rose petals. And on top of the rose petals is a gold-plated frame picturing a man's feet. And it was then he got a little nervous. But I was like, okay. So I've tried to play it calm. I don't want this guy to know I'm a little, like, put off at the moment. So he's like, I'll strike up conversation. So he said, so, what's your name? (laughs) No answer. (laughs) Um, So where are you going? It's a beautiful day out, don't you think? No answer. And finally the guy said, and he, tur- he said he turned his head slowly like, like a guy from a villain from a movie. He said, do you want to know who I am? <laughs> and Bob's like, I'm trying to play it off. I don't want him to know that I'm terrified right now. And the man says, I'm Satan. <laughs> so Bob told him in no uncertain terms that he would be beating the smack out of him if he didn't pull over. He got out of the van and let the van go its merry way. Men and women of God, you need to know who you're climbing in a vehicle with. You need to know who you are connecting yourself to. You need to be sure, pay attention to this, that they are going in the same direction you are. Why? Because you have your eyes steady and straight. You are going towards Jesus Christ, and you don't need to settle for anybody that is not going the same direction. They should be on a parallel path with you. You should be able to look over, and there they are. So here are some indicators that they are not going the same way you're going. Number one, number one, and if I haven't hammered this home enough, write it down, tattoo it on your arm, they aren't a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus does not equal attending church or saying that they're a Christian. A Jesus follower leaves a trail of evidence, and the Bible calls it fruit. You will know who they are by the fruit that is coming from their lives. Not just, yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay, I guess we can date. No, you watch their life. Why are you filter, 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 filter? You're going through spending time being friends. You're going through group hangouts. You're getting to know them, how they treat their friends. And then you're going to do a double, triple date. Still, there's low flinch. You're not a couple yet. You're getting to know them. Filter, 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 filter. Are we on a parallel path? Are we both going towards Jesus? Do we have the same life direction and calling? Another indicator they are not going the same direction as you're going is if they have flexible morals, flexible convictions, flexible values. Do they wear masks? Are they one person at church? Are they one person at school? Are they one person with friends? They must have a stance on what is right and wrong. 
If they're flexible with their morals, they are not going in the same direction you are. Number four, they are not going the same way you are going if they have friends with drastically different standards than you. If you want to know who they're going to be, take a look at their friends. Because their friends will be the ones influencing them. Their friends will be the ones saying, hey, have you gotten that picture from them yet? Thank you, Travis and Marin. Their friends are so crucially important. Who are their friends? Their friends compromise their values. Number four, they are not going the same way you're going if they always want to take things further physically. Every time you get together, they're wanting to go to the next step. And number five, I want to camp here for a few minutes because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. They are not going the same way you are going if they are manipulative. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6 says, No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Emotional manipulation can be subtle, hard to recognize, and sometimes the person doing it isn't even fully aware that they are. It is a strategy that has been ingrained in people sometimes as a self-defense mechanism, as a self-preservation mechanism. It's a sign that someone is wounded and selfish and they just want to control. Often, and this is why it's so crucial that you know this, most of the time, unless the Holy Spirit intervenes, unless they wake up and they start working hard, this is something that does not, they do not grow out of. A manipulative teenager becomes a manipulative adult. All of these things that I'm going to talk about are super childish, and I know adults that do it every day. Even harder to spot, Manipulation is when you're the one doing it. Because you're so certain that everybody else is the problem, please take a minute and allow the Holy Spirit to search you. Because as I read these things, I hope that the next time you're having a a conversation with a parent or a friend or whatever, you're going to catch yourself and be like, whoa, I didn't catch that about myself until now. I'm, I'm trying to manipulate. I'm trying to take control of something. I'm trying to get something that I want. Ask the Lord to make you aware. Now, this is not a complete list. I'm just starting a conversation. I'm going to point out five out of 18 that I found in my research. Number one, emotional manipulation tactics. The first one is using an emotional backdoor. This is, instead of being up, up front and honest with you, they'll talk to somebody behind your back of what they wish you would do. Maybe they'll talk to your best friend about what they wish you would do, hoping that your friend will relay information. Are you following me? They'll take an emotional back door because they don't personally want to be the bad guy. They don't want to actually have to talk to you face-to-face. They may actually ask their friend to break up with you. Lame, right? You guys are like, I've seen that happen before. How do you respond to this? Number one, you don't date them. Number two, you be the bigger person and speak with them directly. Number two, the second tactic of emotional manipulation tactics. They'll use guilt trips. The manipulator will want to coerce you into seeding what they want by challenging how nice you are. This can be super, super subtle. Things like, I understand why you won't buy it for me. I've just never had anything nice. I guess I just don't deserve nice things. Or, If you only knew how hard my life was, you would never ask me to stop doing that. Or, 
before I say this aloud, you need to know that I have, I have known through student ministry of three different instances of this. So this is real. If you break up with me, I will kill myself. That is serious. And yet it is common more than you know, because that's manipulation. Your response, number one, don't date them. Number two, whenever you feel like they're trying to play a guilt trip, you restate what's important to you and you call them out on it. Number three, another emotional manipulation tactic. That's a tongue twister. Using aggression or anger. They try to intimidate you by escalating above where you're willing to go, by making you so uncomfortable or so fearful that you just give in. This could be something like when it happens in public and they're just like, Rah! and you're like, oh my gosh, people are watching. Sure, whatever. Or maybe it's not in public. You just know that they're threatening. And you're like, I just don't want to argue about this anymore. Fine, just whatever you want. Your response, number one, don't date them. Number two, they need to be called out on this behavior. If they escalate, leave the room. You do not know how far they're going to be willing to take this. If they have a problem with their anger, you could be in danger. You don't know how far they're willing to go. One of the best things you can do if someone tries to use fear or aggression, get out. Number four, another emotional manipulation tactic. Using victimhood. And guys, they can be drawn to this. This is where someone will exaggerate their personal issues or even make them up trying to elicit sympathy. They want to seem like they're the, the princess in distress and you can save me by, by just staying up all night and talking with me and making me feel better and just holding me and, and this is the problem and, I've, and that's the problem. My mom hates me and nothing's going right and I'm just everything is always terrible. And you're the one to save me. They make you feel like it's your duty, your obligation to protect, to nurture, and to give favors to them. Your response, number one, Thank you. Number two, this is the kind of person you need to create space from because they are going to play on your kindness over and over and over again. And they're always going to portray themselves as the victim. When you show that your ability to give is limited, usually they'll move on to somebody else. Number five, another emotional manipulation tactic, using judgment and criticism. Their goal is to make you feel small and inadequate to give them whatever they want. They may, it may be disguised as humor where they're always picking on you over and over and over again, just berating, or it just might be picking on you constantly, whether it's humorous or not. But no matter how hard you try, you aren't good enough. Guys do this to girls all the time to get what they want from them. They are trying to make themselves superior to you by dismissing and ridiculing you, which keeps you off balance and flexible. Number one, your response. Thank you. Number two, remind yourself what's true, confront them, create space. You do not need to be influenced by someone like this. Emotionally manipulated people are always self-serving. A good tool, I know this sounds so strange coming out of my mouth, but a good tool to recognizing emotional manipulation is actually using your emotions as a litmus test. If every time you're around this person, you're feeling inadequate or self-conscious, if you're starting to feel like, defensive and angry every time that you're around them, shamed, 
that may be a clue that they're the ones that are undercover, low-key, trying to manipulate you. Remember how Jesus dealt with the ultimate manipulator. Remember that? Out in the desert, Satan comes and tries to manipulate him three times. What does Jesus do? He gives him a short sentence and blows him off. Satan, here's what you need to know. I'm out of here. Right? That's how you respond to manipulation. Speak truth. Create space. It's not your job to give them what they want because they're not a whole person yet. Don't feel free to stick around to help them because that's part of the manipulation too. All right, changing gears. Five uncommon uncommon things a mature woman wants in a man. I had to prelude this with saying mature because girls, you may not know what you actually want out of life yet. You may not really know. You're just like so stuck on tan and abs that you're not even thinking about what a real-life relationship looks like. So, guys, pay attention because this is what a mature woman is looking for. Number one, a zeal for life. Proverbs 21, 25 says, the desire of a lazy man kills him. This is a guy who doesn't settle. He's not apathetic. He has a passion for life. He's going somewhere, and he's saying, if you want to join the journey, you're welcome to come along, but I'm going. That is very attractive to a mature woman. She's like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Guys, it might be time to put down little boy priorities. Little boy priorities like YouTube till 3 a.m., video games, building your imaginary supermodel, spending money on useless stuff, trying to feel popular, being disrespectful to try to put on that, you know, tough guy attitude. You know, as, as, a, as a note about authority, girls, you need to know this. Authority figures are the ones that carry you places in life. Authority figures are the who help you grow, who get you positions, job positions that other people can't get. If he can't respect authority, he's not going anywhere in life. Number two. Oh, I love you guys. An uncommon thing a mature woman wants in a man. Number two is kindness. Proverbs 19.22. What is desired in a man is kindness. He's gentle. He treats others with respect when it's not even necessary. He has humility and is over the insecure mask of playing macho. Uh, does that, how do you translate macho into non-Italian home language? It's okay. You know what I mean. There you go. Machissimo. Number three, a sense of justice. Proverbs 21, 15. It is a joy for the just to do justice. This is a guy who is sturdy in his beliefs. He defends those who are weaker than himself. He has a grasp of right and wrong, and he's respected by the people around him. Guys, I'm telling you, a girl will be gaga over a guy who is respected by his peers. When she looks and he, she sees that his employees honor him or respect him, when his employer honors or respects him, she is like, what? All right, I can respect that. Number four, he is a good listener. James 119, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remember, guys, girls are spaghetti. They crave a guy who can travel with them in conversation. See week two of the Little Black Book series. Number five, faithfulness. Proverbs 26, many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a faithful man? Guys, be the unique one. 
be the guy who is faithful in a world of guys that are garbage. Oh, I mean, less than faithful. Guys, there are pretty girls everywhere and images that are forced in our faces. A mature woman is always asking, are you still mine today? And you should be able to answer yes. Five uncommon things a mature man wants in a woman. Listen up, girls. Number one, a sense of humor about life. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. The Guffies brought that up last week. Life is tough. And in many ways, your wife will set the emotional thermostat in your house. When everything hits the fan, it's going to be her that is holding things together emotionally, or it's going to be her that sabotages things emotionally. You want a woman that can laugh at life. Number two, wisdom. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. She is someone that a guy can feel comfortable asking advice of. Girls, if he's not willing to ask your advice because he's too macho, What's number one? Hey, you guys are picking up on this. That's right. Guys, you want to be able to test life against her, to ask her opinions. So girls, grow in wisdom. Number three, encouragement. Proverbs 31, 26. On her tongue is the law of kindness. She affirms all your boxes, all the struggles that you have throughout the day. She is in your corner. She's the one admiring and cheering you on. She's always saying, you're succeeding. Because he's always asking the question, and I'm not kidding. A guy is always asking the question, am I enough? Girls are always asking, am I too much? A guy is asking, am I enough? Number four, class. I love it. Class. Proverbs 31.25, strength and honor are her clothing. Not all the time, but is she able to carry herself with poise and dignity every now and then? Does she carry herself with confidence? Does she need you to be whole? Or can she confident in herself? That's class. Number five, it's the same as the guys, faithfulness. Proverbs 31, 11, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. He deals with insecurity too. There are few feelings more violating for either side than feeling that you can't trust each other. So here we go. The meat of the night. Whew, this has been fun. You guys enjoying this? You guys with me still? All right. And the title of the night, Who to Look For? Compatibility Test Part 1. Do you admire each other's character, faith, values? This is the foundation of mutual respect. If you do not admire her character, if you're just like, well, she's pretty. Girls, if you do not admire his character, he's just popular. You're wasting your time. Move on. Filter them out. You need to admire each other's character. Number two, do you have common interests? Are both of you quick and willing to jump into each other's worlds and each other's likes? Are you willing to adopt each other's interests? Does conversation come easily? Because if conversation doesn't come easily, the only temptation left is just to get physical when you're together. That's just real life. Three, do you have fun together? Are you able to have fun that isn't physical? I guess we're on this topic a lot tonight. If you can't go putt-putt golfing and laugh your whole way through, maybe this isn't the person for you. Or you just need to learn how to laugh. I don't know. The next one, are things getting physical too fast? It's a sign that you lack the top three. 
This teaches you something about yours and their motivations in the relationship. Now move on quickly since we've hammered that one a lot. Do you get along with each other's, haha, thank you, Mary and Travis. Do you get along with each other's friends and family? Because if you don't get along with them, there's trouble ahead. And last, this is like a mature one. Do you have similar views on the three marriage conflicts that come up? Money, sex, and family. These need to be discussed whenever you're actually dating exclusively. You need to know where the other person stands on these. How do you handle and see money? How do you interact with each other's families? What are your stances on sex? Compatibility test part two. You still with me? Haven't lost you yet? Do we need to like search for shoes or something? Was that a cool example or what? I was like, this is awesome. All right. Yeah. Don't date blindfolded. Compatibility test part two. What do your parents think of this person? So important. I'm telling you, if even if you guys are like match made in heaven, but one of your families is like all against, it's going to cause you problems. Number two, what does your accountability partner think of them? Three, what do your close friends think about them? Not like your normal friends, like the friends that are going to be honest with you, even if you don't like them for it for a while. What do they think about them? Four, what does the Bible say about their character? And have you noticed that all of these compatibility tests are from outside of you personally? Why do you think that is? Your bias. What else? Cricket? Cricket? Really? Yeah, these people, thank you, Lainey. These people are going to have your best interests at heart. All of these people that I mentioned care more about you than you do it your, than yourself whenever you're being biased and emotionally overwhelmed. I'm telling you, if you haven't experienced it yet, the emotions are wild, and you're like, this must be the real thing. It's just so powerful. And they're going, whoa, slow down. Hang in there. Don't, you know, don't buy a ring yet. And this is going to link to your take-home challenge for the night. You need to have a predetermined, sorry, it's late, guys. Bear with me. This is good stuff. You need to have a predetermined, written down deal breakers list. A deal breakers are those things that you are absolutely not going to tie yourself with someone for the rest of your life if they have these things. And remember, you are thinking for the rest of your life. Like, if it bothers you that someone doesn't floss their teeth and you can't handle that for the rest of your life, it's on the deal breakers list. But for much more serious things, for me, It was like number two or three on my list. It was like, they can have no racism whatsoever, no prejudice whatsoever. I mean, especially where I grew up. Like, that was so important to me. They had to have a sense of humor. They had to be someone that loved Jesus the way I did. I I need to go dig out my list. It's up in the attic somewhere in a shoebox. These are so important. Have it predetermined. So that as you're filter, 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 filtering, you're like, nope, (laughs) obviously not. I guess we can be friends. Or maybe not, if, you know, it's some of those really hardcore deal breakers. Also, you need to have a must-haves list. What is absolutely important for them for the direction your life is going? And if you put, I swear, if you put a physical characteristic on there, I will beat you. Make a list of both of these. (laughs) Indications that they are walking the same way that you are. And I'm going to go quickly through these. Here's how you know that they're on a parallel path. They're serving Jesus and showing fruit. They have healthy friendships. They're committed to sexual purity. They're honest, period, period. 
They honor their authority. They're selfless. They would rather risk their relationship with you but act in your own best interest. And they respect you. And because I brought it up, I got I to gotta stand on this for a second. Stop making physical attractiveness an idol. Unlearn this lie that society has taught us that says that there is only a single physical standard and everyone has to get as close to that as possible. Like, that's ridiculous. We serve a God who is a, a genius artwork masterpiece designer, and he made you. Like, that's phenomenal. You are the perfect for the mold that God created. And so if we put some sort of society-established standard on a pedestal and say, this is it, this is what everybody has to be like, then we're missing out on the other 7 billion models that God called perfect. Are you following me at all? Attractiveness is not, this was supposed to be on the board, attractiveness is not a physical standard, but how you choose, remember, did you remember that word, choose? choose? To love is to choose. How you choose to view the one you have chosen. And this is such a great example. I swear to God, Jackie seems to, she's like blind to other guys. I don't even know, like, like it's like she has blinders on. Maybe she has bad eyesight. I think so. Because I think that at some point along the way, she was like, I'm scrapping the social standard, and I'm going for, like, short, skinny, big chin, curly hair. Boom! This guy's perfect! And like, yeah. Like, that is, that is what choosing to love someone looks like, is whenever your new standard becomes the person you've chosen, and hey, look, they fit perfectly. And they're the excellent example of it. Man, Jackie's awesome. So stop trying so hard in general. Allow the Lord to lead you in your life, to discover. Stop seeking. There's no point for the stress. If you buy into the lie that you need someone, you will veer off of your very straight path that you're called to be on. Galatians 5, 7 through 8. Listen carefully. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And the one who calls you is calling you to run straight. Not looking to the left or the right. It's drawing you into a relationship with Jesus. Don't let romance cut in on you and keep you from obeying the truth. So your challenge this week is to write those two lists. A deal breakers list and a must-have list, stick it in your Bible, put it up on your mirror, whatever, write it down, sign it, date it. You're not wavering from it. Elevate, let's pray. Lord, you are awesome, you are worthy, you are holy, and I pray that your people will exemplify way more than a Rolls Royce, that they will be awesome and holy and worthy because you are inside of them. Let them settle for nothing less. Oh and who you've called them to be. Lord, let them filter wisely. Let them get off the stress of seeking and chase you and allow you to lead them to discover. You are are a good God who has our very best at heart. Thank you, Lord, for these students. Let seeds be planted. Even if they try to deny this stuff outright, I pray, pray that seeds will be planted, that their eyes will be opened. Thank you, Lord, for Mary and Travis and their wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for our leaders that sacrifice every week to come and be here and pour into these students. Thank you, Lord, for these students that said, yes, I want to be in the presence of God tonight. Lead them this week. Give them an open-mindedness as they write their lists down. 
Help them keep their lists religiously. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. I love you, Elevate. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.